Amen. Thank you, Brother Bradley. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're going back to a recent sermon series called Systems. And in that recent sermon series, we discuss the organizational chart of the church, uh, the Lord, the leaders, and the laymen. That's been about a month ago. We talked about with, uh, with God at the top, and when the leaders and the laymen faithfully function together well, there's unity and there's purpose in the church. The church is the body of baptized believers. The church are those who God has organized to bring him glory by reaching in ministry towards fellow believers and reaching out on mission towards people who are separate from God. As you are all here today, I would ask you to consider, along with myself, where you are and where you need to be. Today is, is very foundational. It's very fundamental. And so for those of you that would say, I've heard these things, we've been in church a long time, I would encourage you to listen with fresh mind and heart and ears. And I would encourage you to take notes so that you can share what the fundamentals are of our faith to someone else, to someone that you influence, to, to someone maybe that you had never met, but the Spirit of God is working in that conversation, or maybe it's within a, uh, your own family that, that you are explaining the fundamentals of our faith. But let's all consider today where we are and where we need to be within our relationship with God. When you use the GPS app on your phone and you type in an address that is toward a desired destination, it will start your drive from where you are and then it will suggest the route to where you want to go. And once you have selected go, the app then gives you the system. The app gives you the order of operations, the process by which you can arrive at your desired destination. And all that is left to do when that happens is for you to decide to trust the order of operations, to trust the system and move in that direction, or to go your own way, or I'll give a third option, or to just stay put. To stay right where you are and not move at all. To go the way that you've decided is the best way or to go the way that the system is giving. Now, don't misunderstand me today. Seeking God and following Jesus and being led by the Spirit of God is not a mindless or heartless step-by-step system. But God's Word does give clear direction from time to time throughout the Bible. God's Word is very plain about where you are, where you need to be, and how you can get there. And this brings us to Acts chapter 2, verse 41, which is our featured verse for the day. And as we read it with emphasis, I want you to see the route that was taken by the early church. Acts chapter 2, verse 40, 41. The Bible said, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. If you were to highlight, if you were to embolden any of those words, you would do so with believed, baptized, and added to the church. At the beginning of the book of Acts, the, the risen Jesus had spoken to the disciples his will for their life, that they were to be witnesses in the world around them and the life before them. He then ascended into heaven, 
and followers, which totaled about 120 at the time, they begin to pray and wait and prepare for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to begin. And then we read in Acts chapter 2 where the Spirit of God, like a mighty rushing wind, took up residence within the believers gathered in Jerusalem as God was beginning a new work. And they all began to minister to the nations that were gathered there in Jerusalem, testifying, the Bible says, to all the wonderful things that God had done. And then in chapter 2, verses 14 through 40, is the first church sermon that is delivered by the Apostle Peter. And as God's Spirit was incredibly moving amongst the crowd, many were under conviction. Conviction of the Spirit of God, of, that God is real, that God loves them, that they are separate from God in their sin, and they need to come back to God. And while they are under conviction, the Scripture says, in their response, about 3,000 were added to the church in that day. After one Spirit-filled sermon, the church was born as individuals, listen to this, as individuals went from where they were to where they needed to be. And persons in the crowd became a people of God's church when they believed, when they were baptized, when they became the body of Christ. I'd like for you to watch this recent testimonial video from a young lady here at Lindsay Lane that basically shares that story of belief, baptism, and being added to the body of Christ. And next thing I know, we were pulling into a gas station in South Huntsville, and there was a drive-by shooting. I was the only one in the car that got shot. Um, it, there was nine bullets. One hit my arm. The rest went in my headrest. It was one inch away from my head. And laying there, I was like, you're lucky. Like, you're, that, that's not even luck. That's, that's God. Um, and just being there in the hospital, Thank you for coming. 
answer the call, um, answering the call coming to church uh, in November. I mean, just, just come to church and just witness it for yourself. And next thing I know, we was pulling into a gas station in South Huntsville. Amen. And there was a drop. Amen. What you have, uh, what you've heard in this testimony is is seriously what we see in the scripture. It's belief, baptism, it's entrance into the local church as God's Spirit is drawing people still to a right and real relationship with God. God is always working; He has not stopped. And Lord, we ask God that you lead us forward into this this message, Father. I pray that you quiet our mind and our heart, Lord, so that we can hear from you. Lord, wherever we are, I pray, God, wherever we are, that you would take us from where we are to where we need to be as your holiness constantly calls us to a greater walk with you. Father, forgive us where we fall short, thought, word, and deed. I pray, oh God, today that you would take us once again, Lord, from the places where we are, and Lord, that you would lead us towards a path, Father, that would glorify you in our own life, in our life together as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Belief is where this all begins. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, that Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? So many were gathered here in Jerusalem at the time because of a a festival, a festival that was God-given, a festival that was given for the purpose of remembrance. But God was about to move those people from remembrance to realization. Crowds of people had moved towards the place where God's spirit was audibly apparent. They, they had heard about what was happening as God's spirit was moving, very, very much like what you've seen in recent days on college campuses about revivals where God's spirit feels like it's tangible and people begin to go to those places. That was happening here in Acts chapter 2. Where, where God's Spirit audibly got the attention of the crowds there in Jerusalem. And Peter steps forward and he gives an open-air sermon of God's endorsement of Jesus Christ who had risen from the grave and all the power of God. And as God's Spirit began to convict them, they realized their need for God as God's words pierced their hearts. That is a beautiful way to say that they were experiencing conviction of their need for God. Let me ask you, has this ever happened to you? Have you ever been under the sound of preaching, under the teaching, under the singing of the Word of God, and something very real but very hard to explain begins to happen in your heart? Amen? Again, I remember being in that church, that small church, the back of the church, a a guy preaching the gospel standing before all of us. And all of a sudden, that night was different for me because then I was who I thought was a good kid that was right with God was all of a sudden convicted of my sin and my need for a personal relationship with God. It was happening that night. And, and just like it says in the Scripture, I got to this place where I was like, what should I do? What should I do with this? There was an urgency there in verse 37, and that's exactly what they said to Peter and the brothers there. They said, brothers, what should we do? And Peter said with conviction in verse 38, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible is is ushering in the big picture into Acts chapter 2. 
of all that happens at salvation, where we turn from sin and turn to God and believe by faith in Jesus that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We are following that as as baptism. God's Spirit is filling us upon salvation. And if today and other days there has been this inside your heart desire to be forgiven, if today is the day where there's this inside desire where you know that you need to turn from where you are to where you need to be and be right with God, this is what the, the Scripture says is next. Turn from your sin and turn to God. That's what's next. Turn from your sin and turn to God. How? By faith in Jesus Christ. Two things I want to look at here real quick. Repentance and faith. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are talking to your children, if you're talking to those that you would influence, if you are leading someone towards salvation, that God's Spirit is working inside them. Repentance and faith. Because what did the Scripture say? Turn from your sin and turn to God. It's right there in verse 38. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Belief is where it all begins. And salvation is two sides of the same coin. One side of that coin is repentance. The other side of that coin is belief. To repent is to acknowledge that you are a sinner. And I love this as it's been explained this week. One commentary I read said, repentance is to take sides with God against yourself. To acknowledge that God's way is better, that's the way that you want to go, and because God's Spirit is working inside of you toward that, you turn and you go that way. To change is what Billy Graham said. Repentance is to change. To change toward God and away from yourself. It's as simple as belief. It's as serious as repentance. To believe is to be convinced. That's what belief is. To believe is to be convinced, to trust that Jesus is the answer for your problem of sin. Many in that crowd believed that it was by their works, their actions, their attendance, their giving, all of these things that they do that would make them right with God. Well, the problem with that is when any of those things cease, now all of a sudden you're out of fellowship with God and you've got to start all over again. And this was the heart and mind of many there that they were trusting in their own work. But to believe and to believe upon Jesus is to believe away from yourself, to trust that the work of God is enough for your salvation, that he has made the payment for sin. And Paul said, and the same as Peter in Acts chapter 20, verse 21, I've had one message. This is one of those verses to underline, one of those verses to share when it comes to evangelism, Acts 20, 21, I have had one message for the Jews and Greeks alike, which means I've got one message of salvation for everybody. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, this is where a right relationship with God begins. This is where peace with God begins. This is where a new life, if you need new life, this is where it begins. And you say, I would imagine you would say to yourself, we've heard this before. Like, dude, you say this every Sunday. That's because that's where life change begins. It begins with the gospel. It begins with belief, the good news that God saves through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the good news is the power of God at work. Saving everyone who believes. Listen to this. When one believes different, they live different. 
When one believes different, they live different. See, this is the part where I, I, I want to just meddle for just a second because we, we look on our screens and we see folks all the time and think to ourselves, why did they act like that? They shouldn't act like that because they believe that's totally fine. Because they believe a one way away from God's way. Why, why do we act like we act like sometimes? Because all of a sudden we have gone back to believing that we are the God of our own life. And so when we believe different, we act different. I like to drink a peach monster in the morning. And some of y'all folks tell me how terrible it is. I am not convinced that it is. Therefore, I will keep drinking it. And please don't send me the emails and all of the literature out there on those things, right? That's just me wanting to deny the truth. Or maybe it's not the truth. I'm not convinced, therefore I continue on. When I was a kid, I, just like any other kid, I used to be afraid that the darkness was going to get me. Something in the dark was going to get me. As a kid, I believed that I don't know what's there, but something bad is there because it's dark. As I've grown up, my belief has changed so I can walk through a dark room without fear. When you believe different, you live different. For some of us, we need to determine what we are convinced of. You need to determine if you are convinced that it's you that can make your own right way into heaven and right relationship with God or if it is God's way that makes us right with himself by faith and repentance in Jesus Christ, the pure and perfect son of God who lived perfectly, died sacrificially, and in all the power of God rose from the grave to give us ever-loving, living hope of eternity. Belief is where it all begins. When you believe different, you live different. Secondly, is baptism. Verse 38, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41 again says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized. What follows repentance and faith is baptism. And what is communicated in Acts chapter 2 is water baptism. Now, two things here. First, water baptism is a visible expression of an inward operation. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you should be able to communicate these things after the day to those who are asking you what it means, right? Water baptism is a visible expression of an inward operation. Baptism means to immerse or to dip. It was used to describe the process of dyeing cloth. Dipping a piece of cloth into a colored dye would look different once it's removed because of the process of immersion. It is, again, a visible expression of an inward operation. When one turns from sin and turns to God, God is just beginning the work on you. Amen? God is just getting started, and he is changing you from darkness to light. And so this, this idea of baptism here is not actually just beginning with the baptistry behind us, but the idea of baptism begins with God's Spirit. God's Spirit convicts us of our sin. God's Spirit convicts us of the righteousness of God and that we need God and will be judged by God. Therefore, when one turns from sin and turns to God, the Spirit of God places us into a whole new environment. 
The Spirit of God positions us in a right relationship with God, and the Spirit of God positions us into a relationship with other believers. This is what is taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. The Bible says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Titus chapter 3 says that he washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 6 teaches us that we have been spiritually immersed, baptized into the person of Jesus. You see, but before the, you even take a step into the water, you are there because something is going on in your heart. Because God's Spirit is working you away from yourself and towards obedience with God. Water baptism, then, is a physical picture of the Holy Spirit's new placement and position. Secondly, water baptism is a first step of obedience. It is a first step of discipleship. Jesus said in Matthew 3, 15, it, meaning water baptism, should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. Y'all, if, if you're one in here today, I'll just stop here and say this. I pray and trust God to bring forth in your heart if you need to take this step of obedience of baptism. And we're going to explain all good, to goodness why it's important. But I think at the very beginning, you just need to know that water baptism, if you are a Christian, is to be obedient. Just be obedient. Jesus said in Matthew 3, 15, again, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. But this requirement, and it is the same case with the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper and baptism are the two ordinances of Scripture, which means it must be done. But it's not to be done for salvation. It's to be done for obedience. Peter was following the instruction. Now listen, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. The, 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 these verses ring throughout the church as Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples. The Great Commission verses. Go and make disciples of all nations. And then what did Jesus say? Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In verse 20, Jesus said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. Well, what was part of the commands that God gave through Jesus to the disciples? to teach new disciples to obey and to be baptized. So when you are baptized, you are taking a significant step towards following Jesus. Folks, if you won't take the first step towards following Jesus, why would you expect to take another one? If you won't take an initial step towards discipleship and being obedient unto baptism, why would you take another step? Why would God give you anything before you to take another step with? My encouragement to you today when it comes to baptism, when it comes to water baptism, is, is first of all to know that God's Spirit is working inside the life of a believer towards every next step. Amen? It is the inward construction that's happening according to the Scripture. But this is what I would encourage you with today if you are thinking about baptism, if you are thinking about what happens at baptism, should I be baptized? If you're thinking, should I be baptized again? See, we have those conversations a lot when people come and say, I was baptized, but here's what's happened in between now and then. And first of all, I'm just going to tell you, if God, as you know it, and God's Spirit is leading you to take a step of obedience because what you did then, you had no idea what you were doing. And what you're doing now, you have every knowledge of what you're doing. 
if you have sought the Lord about this, about what step to take next, and you want to be baptized, we'll fill that tank and baptize you. I'm not going to stand in the way of you being obedient. But I do believe that we need to understand what baptism is. Let me encourage you with this today. Don't give too much to baptism, and don't give too little to it either. Here's what you need to understand. Baptism doesn't save you, and baptism doesn't change you. Jesus saves you, and the Spirit of God is the agent of regeneration. So to give more credit to a visible expression than divine redemption is misguided. Now, but to treat baptism like it's no big deal, and we can put it off till we get ready, and it's not what saves you so, that's also misguided. Baptism is a big deal because Jesus commanded it, and Scripture often shows water baptism coming on the heels of real salvation. So talk to the Lord about it. And, and some of you, stop putting it off. What in the world could you be waiting on? I don't know. Anytime that God sparks obedience in my heart, he's not talking about a month from now. He's talking about now. Amen? Now, let's talk about church membership, being added to the church. Because that's what we see there in the Scripture in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So the order, the system that we've seen so far has been belief, baptism, and now addition to the church. The church is the body of baptized believers, amen? The church in the scripture refers to two things, the universal church and the local church. The universal church is the whole number of the redeemed, meaning all over the world and throughout history. When you go on a mission trip and you meet the Christian church that you are serving with or partnering with or serving for, there's an immediate bond because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the faith that is there. Even when you've never just spoken to anyone, if you are in Christ and they are in Christ, you are part of the universal church. All of those who look to Christ as our Lord and Savior, we belong to Jesus. He is our authority. That is the global, the universal church. Now, the local church refers to church in a particular place, a group of believers in a particular place. That's the church in Jerusalem, the church in Corinth, the church in Thessalonica, the church at Lindsay Lane, and even a group of people who meet in their home. That is a particular local church. Now, take this note. The effort of the universal church is expressed through the local church. I want you to hear that one more time. The effort of the universal body of believers is expressed through the local body of believers. The New Testament features the movement of the local church. Y'all, here's where I'm going with this. Just as much as you cannot downplay, you can give too much to church and too little to it as well. You can give too much to baptism and too little of it as well. But for those who think that the local church is just one of those things that's part of Christian culture, you need to wake up and pay attention. Because in the New Testament, it features the movement of the local church, the organization of the local church, letters of instruction to the local church, exhortation to the local church, encouragement to the local church. Acts chapter 2, immediately after these folks get saved, and we'll look at it next week in depth, 
But Acts chapter 2, when these folks get saved, they are then placed into a community of believers who begin to live life differently than they did before, and they do so together. So let me ask you a question. What is the level of involvement in the local church? For you personally, because we're involved in all kinds of stuff that, if I'm honest, it just ain't as good. It's just not the main thing. And we have a higher level of involvement in things that are temporary. So what is your involvement? What is the level of involvement that you have in the local church? And is it possible that you would take turn, and your first turn that God would have you to take is to a greater level of involvement and possibly even church membership? Now, when we say church membership, it's very likely that one of two things begins to happen in your heart. You make much of that and think it's the best thing ever or it's not that big a deal to you. And maybe there's somewhere in the middle. If I'm preaching, I would say that some folks make it such a big deal that they think because they are on the roster as a member of the church, they're going to get into heaven. That's not belief. And then folks who hadn't darkened the door of a church in years get mad when you take their name off the roster. Now, y'all explain that one to me. I've literally heard of some folks calling when they are purging the roll, and we're not doing this today, all right? We're not doing this today, but I've literally heard of somebody calling them. They haven't been there in three years, but them getting mad because you're going to take their name off the roll. I don't have to preach anymore about that, do I? I mean, we know, don't we? But at the same time, there are others that think, I'm just going to hit up every church on every corner every Sunday whenever I feel like it. I'm going to go to, never going to drop anchor. No church will have my commitment. No church will have my involvement. I want to serve there, but they don't know me, so they get mad at me because they don't know me, so I'll move on to the next one. So that's, that's, that's too low. It's too low. Now, what you're not going to find in Scripture is the command to place membership at a local church. You're not going to find that. But what you will find is the assumption that believers are deep-seated into the local church. That, that there are people in these places that God's inspired authors are writing to that they are known and they know others, that their life is built in to the community of believers that is their local church. And here's how we know this in the Scripture. For example, Hebrews calls for Christians to follow your leaders who watch over your souls. Well, in order for a leader to watch over the soul and then for to follow that leader, that assumes an accountable relationship. Accountable relationships don't happen in a minute, and they don't happen every once in a while. They happen together over time. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 speaks of a meeting in the church. 1 Corinthians 5 speaks of removing a believer who indulges in sin without any intention of change. One who revels in sin, who boasts about it. And God's word says that there should be a disassociation there within that organization. Well, in order for there to be a disassociation, there has to be an accountable relationship. You see, there, there may be some folks that you say, well, y'all, apparently you don't know all your folks because out there in the community, we've, we've seen some guys that are reveling in sin and, and I don't think that you know about it. Truth is, we probably don't. But if we do, we'll deal with it. That's the truth. That is church discipline. When the church and those who are, are accountable those leaders who are accountable to God to watch over the souls of the people, when they know about it, as they have a relationship, we will deal with it because we represent the glory of God. 
We represent the reputation of Jesus while we are all needing of his grace when there are things in the church that would bring down the reputation of God's organization, we have to deal with it. But in order for that to really happen, then we have to know one another and be part of God's local body. 1 Timothy chapter 5 speaks of how to treat older and to treat younger within your fellowship, how to treat widows and their families. To do that, you must know who they are. And for these instructions to be given to the church, it it, it even goes on to mention a, a list of widows designed to organize support. That is not a universal thing. That is a local thing. And to organize a list of widows and to talk about how you're to treat one another in the local church, that assumes close relationships within the local church and the accountability of the leaders and followers to service. James chapter 5 speaks of suffering in the sick, to call on the elders of the church to come and pray over you. This is organized ministry at the local level within caring relationships. Should I go on? Amen. You see, this is what God's Word is leading us to, not just to stop by every once in a while, not just to say that you go there, but nobody knows who you are. This is an involvement to the local church as you have been privileged by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ to be a part of a group that is His to reach the world for His glory. The local church is where you learn. The local church is where you serve. The local church is where you lead. I remember holding an interview when we were at Lindsay Lane East and we were just getting our interns started. I remember with Greg and some others, we were holding an interview for an intern that was considering ministry for his life. And one of the first questions we asked him is, all right, man, well, tell us a little bit about who you are. Tell us about where you attend church and where you serve. And his reply shocked us. He said, Oh, I, I go here. And we were like, no, you don't. Because <laughs> we would know. If you, were, if you were gathering together here, if you were grouping here, if you were serving here, then we would know it. But this is, a, this is an immature look at, at the local church and the importance that God places on this organization within the world. Like, I stop by every once in a while. The local church is not a place to hang out when you feel like it. It's a particular place where believers glorify God by reaching in to loved ones for the sake of ministry and reaching out to lost ones for the sake of mission. It's to just get more personal over time. And some of you have church hurt. I get that, man. I get it. Some of you have church hurt. Some of you say, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to get that close again. And to that, I'm not really going to preach too hard at that. But I would just encourage you at some point to open your heart again because it's not going to change in the Scripture because your feelings got hurt. That it is the place that God has put together through the body of Christ to reach the world and for you to be ministered to. And not every place is out to get you. Not, Not every pastors out to get you and the local church in scripture is for the glory of God and the good of man you know you don't have to join this church to attend here I hope you hear that this morning if you're here and you're like I'm not a member here can I be here absolutely 
You don't have to be a member here to attend here. You don't have to be a member here to worship here. You don't have to be a member here to grow here. You don't have to be a member here even to serve here in certain cases. But you do need to join this church to lead here. For we'll protect the doctrines and the unity of our body. And past that, I believe you can, should consider church membership for two reasons. One, you need the accountability and the ministry yourself. Accountability from leaders and ministry from the laymen. And secondly, the church needs your commitment. We need commitment. One pastor said the church is not a consumer relationship. The church is a family, and families are committed to each other. We, we need the commitment. We need to know who we can count on as we are, are leading forward to reach the community and beyond for the glory of God and the good of man. True story here. My wife and I have never had the opportunity to search for a church home. Not once have Brittany and I been able to, to be a part of the visitor experience, to be able to, to walk in and receive a greeting and look at all the availability and things that, that churches have. We've never been able to do that because when we met, I was an interim student pastor, and when we got engaged and then married, we were working and leading a student ministry at a local church, which is Round Island, which is just down the road. And while we were there, some of the leaders, after we had been there for a short time on staff, they came to us and said, y'all need to join this church. Like, you, you guys need to actually become members of the place that you are, are working at. And honestly, I didn't give much thought to it up until that point because we were already there. We were already building relationships. We were grinding. We were serving. I, I was on staff, and we were getting to know people. But, but the thought of membership at a church, let me tell you this, it was actually very difficult for us. And here's the reason why. I grew up in a small Methodist church about 15 minutes west of here, and those folks, while I, there's not a perfect church out there because there's people there, Amen. But that church that I grew up in, those folks loved one another. I got saved out of that ministry, and I was discipled in that church. A church where 100 folks on a Sunday was a big Sunday. My wife grew up in a big Baptist church in Birmingham. It very much like this one. She grew up in, in a church, and, and her family was there in ministry, and her family was ministered to by the church. She was ministered to by that church, and God worked in her heart in a big, day, a big way while she was there at that local church. We loved the houses of worship that we were brought up in. So when someone said, you need to join this church, there was sort of this feeling within us like, oh, we got to leave our other one we got to actually sign our name that says, I'm not a member over there anymore. Now I'm a member over here. See, we, we love the places that we were brought up in. But what Round Island needed from us was for us to commit and to contribute to the ministry of their local church so that others there would feel the way that we felt about ours. So that people there would be ministered to with such a strong, close connection that they would take with them the same feeling that we had about the places where we were discipled. And as a leader in that church, I needed to follow the pastor's vision. I needed to support and sign off on the doctrines there so that I would be a part of the unity of the body and to commit to the community and the accountability of the body. That was my next step. Now again... I put this out there as I asked the original question, where are you and where do you need to be? And can I add this one? 
it could really help your life, your lifestyle, and the things that God is bringing up in your heart and mind if you would consider a committed, closer step to the church that is seeking the glory of God together. Joining the church is not going to fix everything. But joining a church is going to give you the opportunity to be closely connected to folks that are all going in the same direction. Let me explain this real quick, and I'm going to shut this down. There's a, a family member of ours. We were talking one night at a ball game, and, and she was talking about the community that they were a part of. And, and uh, it happened to be that, that her friend's daughter, and they all went to church together, and her friend's daughter was, was making her way out of the gym with a couple of guys, and they were going to get in a truck and leave the gym that night before the ball game was over. Now, what she knew is that her mama didn't see this, and her mother, I don't know if she was there or not, but she was not present. And she told us, she said, so you know what I did? I said, what's that? She said, I walked up to that truck, I opened the door, and I said, you get your tail out of there. And she's like, ma'am, she said, don't give me anything else. I just need you to get out of the truck. And as she walked her back, she was basically saying, we got eyes everywhere, young lady. <laughs> like, and I know this is the best thing for you right now, and I'm here, and I love you, and I'm pulling you away from this bad decision that you're about to make. That is community. But that's accountability. And you don't do those things when you don't know each other, but you do do those things when you love each other. Amen? Now, size of the church, in my opinion, does not matter. Some folks here think, well, it's too big. Well, did y'all know that you can know more than 15 people? <laughs> and closely know more than 15 people. And here it's not that you need to know everybody, but you need to know a lot of folks, and a lot of folks need to know you. And it can happen together for the glory of God and the good of man. On one of the navigation apps that I have, as I'll close with this statement, then we'll be done. On one of the navigation apps that I have, there's a feature that you can select that says, find the best time to leave. Have you seen that on your app? Find the best time to leave. Don't look at that now if you've got something in there. <laughs> Find the best time to leave. Find the best time to depart where you are and to arrive where you want to be. Find the best time to leave where you are and to arrive at where you want to be. When it comes to where God wants you to go, the best time to depart towards that destination is always now. Always now. I would encourage you today, even if you don't even know how to respond or what to do with it, if you know today that you need to believe, you need to be baptized, or you need to be added to the church, I would encourage you to do one of two things. Walk this aisle at the end and forget all the eyes that you think are looking at you, but most of them are looking inside their own heart at that time. And all you need to do is come up to a pastor or decision counselor and just say, I need to be baptized. I want to join the church, or I need to be saved. Let us help you with that. But if you're like, thanks for the invitation, not gonna do that. Maybe another day. I would rather you take that bulletin and that insert in your bulletin or that tear off and you fill it out, write it down, place it in the slot on the way out so that we can follow up with you at our earliest convenience. But the time to leave from where you are to where you need to be is right now. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Lord, as we enter into a time of invitation, God, this is the part of the service where we answer that question. We answer the question of what should we do? 
So Lord, I pray that in all of our hearts, God, if we've heard this for the first time and need to be saved, Lord, if we need to be baptized or join the church, or God, maybe for us today, it is just that we need to know the truth of what the Bible says of these things so that we can pass it on and teach it to others. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would work in our hearts now. Father, I pray truly, Lord, that you would overcome the fear of anyone in here who needs to make a decision, God, that theirs would be a desire to overcome, God, and theirs would be a desire to press forward towards the destination that you have for them. Lord, would you move in our invitation, God? Would you move on our hearts during this time of invitation that we would pray and that we would seek you, God, and that you would lead us to a place of decision. And Lord, that you unify our church so that we may be stronger together for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. Let's respond together. We have folks here that would love to help you.